It's time for the FingoCast Conference Championships Round NFL Best Bets Contest. A contest so crap that if it was an NFL quarterback, it would be playing on Championship Sunday. Featuring, he has to live in Minneapolis even after the aftermath of the Minnesota Miracle, it's Colin Burke. Plus, if you had told him at the start of the season that his Patriots could face Mariota, Bortles, and Keenum or Foles to win a Super Bowl, well, yeah, it's Jack Anchelis. And now, he may be the Terrence Williams of the podcast, but he's definitely as good of a tackler as he is. It's your host, Joel Finkelman. Yeah, Terrence Williams really sucks at tackling. Let's just start off there. All right, anyways, welcome into the NFL Best Bets edition of the Finkelcast, a Friday edition of the Finkelcast, the last Best Bets contest before, well, we have a week off next week and then the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe we'll try to squeeze something in next week. You never know. Either way, just two games to pick, obviously, NFC and AFC Conference Championships, and alongside me to do that is going to be Colin Burke and Jack Angeles. So we'll bring in Jack first this time. I feel like we bring in Colin first too often. Jack, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good. Uh, I might get interrupted at some point. Our fish tank guy is coming in to clean the tank. So Okay. I might go on hiatus for a minute. All right. Me and Colin can carry the pod if need be. Just let me know. All right. And then uh, let's see our other contestant leading the way so far, Colin Burke. Colin, how are you doing? Yeah, us non-Viking fans up here in Minneapolis are still here. Don't forget about us. We're suffering through this as well. Dude, how is it up there? Like, I mean, like, seriously, has it been just a brutal, brutal week? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I'll touch upon it a little bit in my uh, pick between the Vikings and Eagles, but I'll, I'll give you a teaser. I was at a concert at the XL Energy Center, our hockey arena, and in between the end of the set and the encore, three different skull chants broke out. So if that continues, I think I might have to move. Oh, boy. That's that's rough. That's rough. I'm not going to lie. Uh, all right. So as always, you can go ahead and find all of us on Twitter. Uh, myself, at Joel Finkelman. You can find find Colin on Twitter, at Colin Kuberg, and Jack on Twitter, at Anchelis. Uh, you can find the blog at thebig1070.com slash Joel, where I post this and other funny things, including, I think I had a post the other day, and now I'm totally forgetting. Oh, it was a, uh, just linked up to a little Twitter rant that I went on about the Bucks. Uh, so that was that was a good time. Got some clicks there. Good stuff. Uh, let's see. You can also follow the podcast on any <coughs> iTunes app, uh, any iTunes connected app that is. Uh, podcast app, just look for the Finkelcast, or go to iHeartRadio and look for the Finkelcast. Got my own channel there. And also go to YouTube.com slash Joel the F. That's J-O-E-L-T-H-E-F. And uh, you can follow, subscribe, and watch them live uh, like you can today. So if anybody's watching right now, thank you. And yeah, all that good stuff out of the way. There we go. Uh, so I guess we'll just kind of jump right in and and we'll go in order. Actually, wait, I forgot. I forgot. Colin, you got to tell us what our standings are. Well, last week was a little rough for you two. You both went one, two, and one. Uh, I led the way at three and one, thanks to that insane last-minute push from Minnesota, the Minnesota miracle, if that's what we're calling it. Um, that brings our standings to myself at five, two, and one. Joel just under five hundred at three, four, and one, and then Jack way back, continuing the whole season's trend at one, six, and one. Not great, Jack. Let's, oh boy. Yeah, it's it's rough over there. It's. Uh... It's rough, and I feel bad because I basically went pick for pick with Jack last week. So obviously that didn't work out super well for me. I'd like to point out that Carolyn is beating both of you at four, three, and one. Okay, well I'm close. I can come back this week, sort of 
I guess we could be tied after this week. Maybe. Yeah, never know. All right, uh, let's see. So I guess we'll go to our uh, to the number one man, the man who's uh, leading the way, Colin Burke, with the first game, New England, uh, according to the lines that we found earlier this morning. So they're, they're, they're as far up to date as we can make them. New England is favored by seven and a half points at home against Jacksonville in the AFC Championship game. So, Colin, why don't you go ahead and give us your first pick? Uh, I'm a little disappointed we waited this long to pick the line because I'd feel a lot more comfortable out of about it if it had been what it opened at on Monday, but I am taking Jacksonville plus 7.5 at New England. Uh, the line did open at plus 9, which would make me feel a lot better, but that shows you the confidence that uh, the betters have in Jacksonville. Uh, I think the Jaguars will be able to create matchup problems all over the field. New England can't seem to stop the rush. They allowed Tennessee, a team that was on their backup running back, to average more than four yards a carry. Uh, I think Blake Bortles on the run is going to be uh, dangerous and be able to be a threat. Uh, did you know that he has his career average for rushing attempt is 6.3 yards and his career average for passing attempt is 6.7? So he's almost a better runner than he is passer. The guy's not a great thing about a quarterback. The guy's the best dual threat quarterback since Michael Vick, or statistically. He's the best, let I, me tell you. Okay. And I think that he's going to be able to exploit that New England defense. Uh, and I think that we're, I've only talked about Jacksonville's offense, but I think that that defense is the, uh, not even unsung, but the sung hero of that team. They're just so good that, you know, I think they're going to be able to deal with Tom Brady. I'm not even going to get into his hand. I, I don't care. I'm going to take Jacksonville's defense. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I guess that puts me going up next. Uh, I was happy to see the line come down a point or two because I'm going to go with New England because I feel like betting on New England is the safest bet in the world. And next year, I'm contemplating a strategy where I just pick New England no matter what the spread is and I pick the other team facing the Browns every week no matter what the spread is and see how that works out for me. Uh, I just... Look, I know what you said. What was the yard average that uh, that, that uh, the Titans got against? More than four yards of carry. More than four yards of carry. What was the final score of that game? Uh, a lot to a little. A lot to a little. Yep. AKA, I mean, New England was totally cool with them running the ball after a while. And that's the thing. If New England can get any sort of lead in this game, it's going to come down to Blake Bortles throwing the ball. Good luck with that. I, I do not see that working out well. I mean, hey, if Jacksonville can jump out to an early lead like they did against the Steelers, then it's a whole different, you know, that's a whole different ball game then. Uh, that's that's where their defense really can shine, and they can milk the clock and keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. But as long as uh, as long as the... Patriots can go ahead and get some sort of lead in this game. It's going to be really hard. I, I mean, at least I think for Jacksonville to come back in this one, I think that New England will start to do what they normally do, which is pile things on. Um, I mean, honestly, the only reason that the line has come down to my guess, I don't know if it's so much people betting Jacksonville out of like believing in them as much as it is people getting scared by the phantom Brady hand injury, which to me sounds like the dumbest thing in the world. I really can't imagine. Yeah. Like, who, who knows how serious that really is, but but remember that he was in a walking boot uh, before a Super Bowl, and it didn't seem to affect him. So this is a guy that's able to play through just about anything. I was going to say, like, I mean, look, I mean, hey, if he fractured his thumb or something, you know, this is like Brett Favre, what, 2003? Is that the right year? Uh, you know, if he fractured his thumb or something or some finger, then maybe, you know, that that's when they can start affecting throws and whatnot. But I'm not buying that. They did a x-ray, said it was negative, so... Um, Thinking everything structurally is fine, so I'm I'm really not worried. Come uh, come Sunday here, uh, I guess to go to the new only New England fan we have here in the podcast, Jack, with our last pick of this game. Jack, what do you got? Uh, believe it or not, I'm going to take the Patriots. 
I agree that I think the line came down just because of Tom Brady's hand thing, which seems a little bit like a Bill Belichick smoke screen to me. Uh, you know, guys bang their hands on helmets all the time and continue in the game, stay in the game, all that kind of stuff. So that does not worry me. Uh, Tim Tebow Jr. does not worry me playing quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> he also had a weird miracle playoff run for a little bit, and I seem to remember him not winning a Super Bowl. So, yeah. Big Tom Brady and his five Super Bowls. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm just picking experience in this game. I'm probably picking New England throughout the playoffs, no matter who they play going forward. Uh, let's see. So, uh, let's see. Jack and I both have New England, which means we're going to go 0-1 in that, and Colin will cover. Uh, so that that's going to be great when that happens. So I guess we move on to game number two, which would be Minnesota on the road, but they are three-point favorites at Philadelphia. Obviously, Philly without their quarterback going with Nick Foles in this one, and uh, congratulations to them. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So, Colin, what do you have in this game? As much as it pains me to do this and goes against what I'm really cheering for, I'm going to take the Vikings on minus three. I don't trust Nick Foles to be able to advance the ball, especially against this Vikings defense, even if they are a little banged up. He's averaging, um, I'm sorry, he's averaging more than, uh, Keenum is averaging more than two yards per attempt than Foles, uh, and it's going to come down to the quarterbacks, which one is uh, a little more consistent, I think. Um, only six of Nick Foles' 30 pass attempts last week went for more than 10 yards, which is uh, not a great way to beat the Vikings. You're going to have to throw downfield to get past this defense. Um, you know, the way to beat them is not the dink and dunk that the Eagles seem to rely on. Yeah, I don't know. This is uh, this is interesting to me, just because me and you are going total opposites on these on these picks. I'm going Philly plus three. Not uh, once again, don't feel super confident about it, but uh, you got to make up some ground in the playoffs. Although I got to be honest, I don't think that there's a scenario that exists where I could win the playoff rankings. (laughs) I think Colin has too much of a lead at five, two and one. I don't think it's even technically possible at this point. Either way, I'm going to go Philly plus three at home. I mean, I I, I like the fact that they're at home. I like the fact that it's a a late game outdoors. Uh, I I mean, look, obviously. Minnesota's defense is what it is. It is really good. I, I think Philly's defense, though, gets a little underrated and can be very good as well. And, I mean, honestly, if, if you look at Minnesota, how they handled the Saints game late, I mean, they they made a lot of mistakes late in that game, and that, that should have never come down to the Minneapolis miracle or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that Minnesota should have won that game going away, and then it required, you know, one of the more ridiculous plays in playoff history in order for them to continue on. So I guess I'm just a little worried that, you know, if they are up in this game, that they may kind of do the Packers thing and pack it in a little bit and let Philly come back to some degree. I I, I don't know. I, I, I also kind of get the feeling that this may just be a tighter game than people are expecting. I mean, look, I, I think Minnesota's the better team as well. But I feel like this could be a low-scoring game, and a low-scoring game could mean that these scores are close, which means that maybe, you know, maybe we're talking like a 20 to, or like a, you know, like a, I don't know, a 21-20 game or something, like a late field goal or whatever. I I, I don't know. It just, I, I feel like this could be a close game, and it could come down to the points. So I, I feel like taking the home team with the points, uh, plus, you know, just got to do something a little different. I am taking Philly plus three. Jack, you are up. What is What is your pick here? Um, or is it fish tank time? No, not yet. <laughs> I, uh, it's a tough one. I, 
once again have not thought about it at all until the podcast. Well, what could go wrong? Uh, what worries me is uh, Minnesota coming off, obviously, a very emotional win at home. Now go into a hostile road environment. And, uh, you know, Case Keenum has had a good season, but he is still Case Keenum. Which and, which uh, he showed on, on one of the dumber interceptions you've ever seen. Uh, kind yeah, of like well, a... Yeah, off his back foot last week. That was, I mean, like, that stuff can't happen. <laughs> that that just cannot happen. And I don't know. I mean, I think Minnesota's way better of a team. They, they just are. Um, but I don't know. I, I just, the fact that they're not at home for this one, I think, means a lot. Yeah, I think I'm going to take the Eagles and the points. Oh, boy. So I'm going lockstep with Jack and Collins going against us. What? <laughs> this is the first underdog I've picked in the entire playoffs, by the way. Well, uh, seeing as how you're 1-6-1, and one, yeesh. All right. <laughs> so um, I wanted to touch on a couple of things. Uh, I, I, the general attitude around the, the state of Minnesota and the city of Minneapolis is uh, a general feeling of it's our time and it's our turn. And yeah. that's just absolute nonsense to me. I, the, the fact that they seem to think that they're entitled to this just really uh, has rubbed me the wrong way. Um, the Vikings have been to playoffs the third most times of any team since the AFC-NFC merger and have nothing to show for it compared to the two teams ahead of them, Steelers and Cowboys, who have 11 uh, titles between the two teams. I just don't, I don't think that there's any logic to this, it's our time, it's our turn nonsense. And a, a thing that I've seen thrown around a lot is they're sort of a team of destiny, especially after that Minneapolis miracle play. Um, I was reading a little bit, a piece by Eric Thompson of SB Nation and the Vikings blog, The Daily Norseman, uh, and he pointed out the similarities that this Vikings run has shown. Uh, a lot of teams that have broken, you know, long streaks of playoff droughts, the 04 Sox, the 2016 Cubs, 2016 Cavaliers all had to have some crazy thing happen where they overcame something. You know, the Cavs were down 3-1, the Cubs down 3-1 as well, and needed that insane Game 7 to win that. Uh, the 04 Sox, Jack is quite familiar with that uh, playoff run uh, in the way that they kind of defeated the demon in that Yankees comeback. Um, I, you know, they, they are just talking themselves into this so much, which just really sets up all of the uh, hallmark features of the Vikings collapse. My, uh, my office, they have announced that uh, the office is allowed to wear Vikings things uh, starting now through the Super Bowl. So oh. you can bet I will be in Viking stuff on Monday if they lose. Oh yeah! Oh no, that's that's getting a little cocky. I, look, I think there is something to the idea that if you're trying to break a curse, you need something dramatic to happen, and this could be that moment. But Team of Destiny talk is a little bit scary in the NFL. Uh, I, I feel like, what was it, a couple years ago? that uh, 2014, I believe, with the Packers, right? So, what? Uh, I, I believe it was Dallas was playing Detroit in that, in that playoffs, and Dallas needed some late crazy play. I forgot exactly what happened, but they needed a, a very late score to win that game. And suddenly everybody said, oh, maybe they could be the team of destiny. And then the Packers played them and the Des Bryant catch happened. Hey, maybe the Packers could be the team of destiny. Oh, wait. Then they played Seattle the next week and it's just heartbreak. So team of destiny stuff kind of leads to heartbreak sometimes. Look at last year's Packers, if you want to look at an example and look at the Jared Cook catch. And the, I mean, the amazing game that was the Dallas Cowboys game, because that was one of the better playoff games that there's been in years in the NFL. Up Packers, until last Sunday. Yep. And then Packers go <laughs> the next week and get curb stomped. I, I mean, just absolutely demolished by the Atlanta Falcons. 
So I don't know. I mean, and th- there's more examples of it. I mean, you can go back to when Brett Favre you know, was here, and then his dad. You remember when his dad died? He, he has the crazy game that, that you know in Oakland, and then that's the same year that Nate Poole catches the pass against the Vikings and allows the Packers in. And now you're sitting there going, "Man, maybe this is the team of destiny." And then fourth and twenty six. Oh, no, sorry, that's the Al Harris year as well. And then fourth and twenty sixth <laughs> is the next week after the Al Harris walk off pick six. So I mean. So I- your ability to turn the uh, conversation to Packers history at any chance just astounds me. Well, to be fair, it's it's really all I know. So I will say on the flip side of this, though, I mean, we do talk about teams of destiny, and the NFL does seem to come up with these, these bits of, uh, I hate the word, but narrative. You look at the Saints winning the Super Bowl after Katrina and the Giants winning the Super Bowl after 9-11. You know, maybe there's something to being the first team to win at the home stadium. I I, I would hate to see it, but... You know, yeah, it could happen. I mean, okay. So here's my question for you, and and uh, Colin, I'll ask you first since you're you're in the locale. What would be more Vikings? Would it be to lose this week with a chance on the line to play a home Super Bowl, or would it be to win this week and then lose at home in the Super Bowl? Okay, so I had a moment to to think about this. I was talking actually about this very topic last night with a friend of mine who is a born and bred Vikings fan, has been here his whole life. Uh, and he pointed out, and up until last night, I would have said to lose at home in the Super Bowl, but he pointed out it's almost worse to lose at Philly because then this city full of Vikings fans has to host the Philadelphia fans as they come and watch the Super Bowl here, oh. which almost is a little more salty. I didn't even think about that angle. Oh, I am rooting for that. <laughs> that that would just be too much. I honestly think it would be more Vikings for them to lose this week particularly if Jacksonville can pull an upset and then Vikings fans forever have to be like, we wouldn't have had to play Tom Brady. We could have won that thing. I mean, that that would be peak Vikings, but it does worry me. I mean, that one play just changed everything on its axis so much because I was so excited that they were going to lose and we wouldn't have to talk about them. We wouldn't have to worry about them. And then that happens. Oh man. I, I that's, that's rough. Honestly, it must be what it's like for Vikings fans watching the Packers you know, pull off some miracle or some Hail Mary or some garbage like that. It, it must be kind of a similar feeling. I, 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 I but get all things it now. considered, the Packers really don't have a lot to show for how many insane wins they've pulled out. Yeah, that's true there. Uh, Jack, what do you think? What would be uh, what would be the most Vikings thing of all time there? I think Case Keenum gets hurt, Teddy Bridgewater makes a miracle comeback to lead them to the Super Bowl and then throws like five interceptions in the Super Bowl and totally crafts the bed. <laughs> oh. Wow. That's a hyper specific scenario. I believe it. That's fair enough. I always wonder too if the if the Vikings go to the Super Bowl with the Patriots, do the Patriots have a better record? Would they get the home locker room? Is that I don't I don't the, know. The AFC is the home team this year technically, although there've been several reports that the Vikings would enjoy all of the home amenities since it is their stadium. Huh. That's... So they would be a road team in name only. Got it. Okay. Well, fair enough. I also wonder how the crowd would work because obviously it's in Minnesota, but it's the Super Bowl. Things are a little different. You know what I mean? I, um, I can I can address that as well. Actually, uh, Monday morning season ticket holders of the two teams are uh, notified they will be given an opportunity to purchase upper deck seats. Uh, so you can bet that uh, Viking season ticket holders are not going to miss that opportunity if it's presented to them. No, I mean, for sure, uh, obviously. But I just kind of wonder, because, I mean, is it going to be as much of a majority where they the Vikings can do their crazy skull chant all the time? Or is it kind of going to be 
more smattered. I, that that's either way. Hopefully the Vikings lose this week and we don't have to answer that question. Ugh, I, I don't even I don't even want to think about that. Uh, are we are we ready for grinder of the week, Colin? I I want to address the skull chant. That's just a wholesale oh. ripoff of the Icelandic national soccer team cheer that they've just added a, a word to. Well, uh, to be fair, so to claim that that's some sort of whole cloth new thing is just. I don't think they are claiming that, though. I mean, like, to my understanding, it's, like, pretty accepted that it's just a ripoff. I, I think everybody knows that. It started literally, I think, two weeks after Iceland went through the Euros and did that whole thing. I mean, it was... It was it's, pr- it's the rare example of a team forcing something down the fan base's throat and the fan base being, like, excited to adopt it. Do you guys remember g I, I was just going to say... I was just going to say G-Force. <laughs> oh, man. I, I uh, well, G-Force wasn't even a thing. It wasn't, like, a chant. It was just a idea get loud oh my goodness uh i mean i'll say this though as far as like chance go it's you know it's right up there with go pack go and all that stuff like i i, I get it it's it's demoralizing to hear it as the opponent fan base uh, you know the vikings fans came south, into came into lambo and did it and that sucks you know <laughs> like it's south to sean payton for doing it i really wanted i i mean i love that that, that he did that that he would uh do that to the vikings fans I I love it. Didn't he he did the choke symbol to Atlanta a couple yes, of weeks ago, right? And didn't they lose that game as well? Or am I crazy? Um, I I don't you, think you're crazy. I feel like they lost that one, or maybe I could be wrong. And then all I know is it, maybe Sean Payton should cool it, maybe maybe just a the, little bit with the celebrations. The, the comparison I've seen is just that like everyone is saying, oh Sean Payton, there's no place for that in the NFL. And it's like stop taking yourself so seriously. If an NBA coach did that, everyone would be like, this is why the league is so fun. Well, yeah, I mean, and this is like, this is kind of where it starts to feel like it's like a the baseball thing, where it's like, oh, we can't, uh, yeah, you know. I, we, I just <laughs> don't understand why you would ever discourage anyone in your league from having a personality. Yeah, I, I don't either. Sounds like you guys aren't valuing the shield enough. Yeah, we are. Uh, yeah, we're not. I know this is going to get back to uh, this is going to get back to my supervisors. Got to value the shield more. Yeah, Colin, we should let everybody know is uh, volunteering for the Super Bowl. Because apparently the NFL doesn't have enough money to pay people to work for them. Well, now so. I should point out it's not actually the NFL. It is the uh, host committee, which is a nonprofit that is run uh, by the city of Minneapolis. Ah, okay. Okay. I, I don't buy it, but I, I, I guess we'll, we'll go. Oh, with it. All right. We're doing Grinder of the Week. All right. All right. Oh, yeah. It's time for Club Indigo's Grinder of the Week. Here's the real OG. That's the original grinder, Jack Anchelis. Now, now, hold on a second. Now, we usually have a little bit of a pre-show meeting. We hash these things out ahead of time. And, and today, uh, Colin Burke took over and he said, I, I got one. I'm just going to throw on you guys. I'm not going to tell you what it is ahead of time. So Jack's not doing grinder of the week this week. Colin is going to throw one at us. And it better be good because we don't really have a backup plan. So, uh, so yeah, what, uh, what you got for us here, Colin? This is just my humble submission to the hallowed halls of the grinder of the week. Uh, I want to I want to make this award to uh, to news that broke yesterday. They announced the ref of the Super Bowl, the head of the crew that will be doing the Super Bowl, and it is Gene Steratore. Uh, this man knows how to turn a game from a regular football game into insanity. I mean, he's he was the crew behind the Des Bryant catch, non-catch at Lambeau. He was the crew behind the Kelvin Johnson catch, non-catch. And just this season, he is the man that pulled out the index card at that uh, that Denver game. So if anyone knows how to make a game more than a game, 
uh, it's this man. So keep on grinding and getting that Super Bowl assignment, Gene. Yeah, if there was a uh, a prop bet for the Super Bowl that was Gene Steratore over under one and a half moments, what uh, what would you take there? Well, I mean, it's not even a question. There's going to be at least one catch-non-catch. Yeah, so there's sure. one. I but... mean, we can book that. Oh, yeah, so um, will there be another one, though? I mean, will there well, be another one? I'm interested in figuring out what prop he brings out. I mean, it was the index card last time. I hope he gets some sort of deal and, and gets some uh, sponsorship money. I mean, he pulls out, like, a, a Ritz cracker or something. Now, now, we talked about this on Lucas in the Morning, and my idea was that he comes out and he brings the coin out wrapped in an index card. You know, kind of as like a kind of like laughing at himself, you know, and it would be it would be great. And then uh, Rob Vogel, uh, co-host of Luke's in the Morning, came up with an idea where the team that's picking the coin toss should actually come out with it written on an index card and just hand it to him. And I I Ooh. thought that would be good. But then then that team might get slighted and calls a little bit. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was told not to uh, not to bring the index card, though. So. That's good news, I guess, looking forward. The, the crazy thing is, though, we know there's going to be at least one catch thing. You're 100% right, because there's a catch thing now in every single game, but it's been particularly horrible this year, and now we're going to have to probably talk about it for like a week and a half after the Super Bowl, like continually talking about some catch, was it in the catch, was he bobbling it, yada, yada, yada. I don't know, Jack, are you uh, are you okay with Gene Steratore being the, uh, being the grinder of the week here? Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, all refs are garbage. I think they need to relook at how they employ the referees and just when you're making $5 billion a year, probably just employ some full-time referees and train them and have better rules. It, um, it, yeah, I, the one change that I would make, and I feel like this doesn't even require, you know, gutting the referee, you know, ranks, because to be fair, the, the NFL did that once. Uh, it didn't work out super well. All right, fail Mary, come to anybody's mind. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work out super well. My idea is this: when when NFL replay first came out, and this actually was the same rule in baseball as the same rule in the NBA. All calls to be overturned had to be overwhelming and conclusive evidence, and that's still a rule, but it is absolutely not applied anymore. And if it is, I don't know what angles, like what secret camera angles the guys in New York are seeing that we're not seeing, because there's so many times now where, yeah, the ball might have moved a little bit, and it's now not a catch, but we don't really actually, you know, there's... That's the problem. I mean, that's what we're all arguing with over every single week is, well, we couldn't... It wasn't conclusive, so then don't change the call. I, that's... I have a couple humble suggestions to improve the instant replay, and I think this would work across all sports, but let me just focus on football. I think as soon as the red flag is thrown and they go under the hood, a play clock starts. You get the duration of one play clock, uh, 35 seconds, to determine whether or not you want to overturn the call or uh, uh, uphold the call. Uh, two, the... Uh, the replay cameras should only be at game speed. You should not be able to see it slowed down because I think that has resulted in so many over litigations. If it's what it looked like at game speed, then that's what it looked like. The only problem that I have with that, and I, you know, I think obviously, yeah, giving them some sort of clock would be great. Although we've seen it in baseball. Apparently they have like a 90 second clock and umpires will go five minutes if they want to. That, that doesn't matter. They'll just ignore that rule. Um, the only problem is, is that if if it takes slow motion to see something like 
there are times when slow motion does show if something is super obvious where like the ball is being fumbled and you're looking frame by frame and oh there it is it's loose and his knee's not down and if you watch that at full speed uh, you know you might not be able to see that and but but the game is played at full speed i think that this being able to analyze things frame by frame has resulted in this over litigation and this oh the ball moved a little bit you could see it on frame 36 but not frame 37 of this replay no but that's has fine resulted in so much over litigation and over self seriousness no and that's fine and that's fair but then you're going to start running into the problems which the NFL had before which is hey we know they got the call wrong <laughs> and fans aren't going to enjoy that that's not enjoyable for any fan base I mean, it's enjoyable for the fan base that gets the call their way, but I mean, it's just on the whole, all 30 teams are going to get screwed over. Sorry, 32. I, yeah, uh, they're 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 going to get screwed over in that case. I mean, it's like that. That's the problem is that it, it eliminates the the idea that you know we 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 are actually watching plays that we know referees are getting incorrect, and that's that's my only worry there. But I mean, that's already happening. So wouldn't this just be a different way of that happening? Like they're always going to get the call wrong. And bottom line, this is a game. It's it's not the end of the world. Well, is it though? If the if the Vikings win the Super Bowl, is that is that not kind of the end of the world? No. Okay. That's, I, I mean, we're getting there. I just, <laughs> I, I'm just very much not looking forward to when that inevitably happens. All right. Uh, is there is there anything else we want to touch on, Jack? Have, has your fish tank guy showed up yet? No, not yet. Okay, uh, Colin. Anything else? I think we covered it all. That that ought about that that about does it. Uh, okay, then we can we can wrap it there and, and let Jack get to his his fishy business. Uh, as always, you can go check out the blog at the Big Ten Seventy dot com slash Joel, where I'll post this video, the audio, and other things that we do here at the Big Ten Seventy during the week. You can follow Colin on Twitter at Colin Q Burke. You can follow Jack on Twitter at Anchelies. You can follow me on Twitter at Joel Finkelman. You can check out the YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Joel the F, and you can subscribe. It'll tell you when we go live, and you can watch us and all that fun stuff. Uh, let's see. Go on any podcast app. You'll find it just by looking for the Finkelcast, or go on the iHeartRadio and search for, guess what, the Finkelcast. There we go. That's everything. So, uh, so Colin, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks to you both. Good to you, Scott. You might row the boat. Here we go. And Jack, thank you so much, buddy. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to losing both my picks this week. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. We we both already know what's going to happen. All right. Carolyn also made those same picks, so oh, all three oh. of you are in the same boat. Oh, no. All right. Well, with that said, we'll see everybody next time on the Finkelcast. Peace out. <laughs>